0: Ever since we moved to California nearly eight years ago, I've never really understood the craze about In-N-Out Burger. Although I should, because before becoming vegan, I used to love a Big Mac or a Whopper. You put that together with some golden french fries and a thick, creamy shake, and you have a real fast food feast. Actually, when you look at the line at In-N-Out Burger, you realize fast food isn't always that fast. <clears throat> Yet people are hungry all the time. And what fills the stomachs of ours is often junk food. Junk food is food that gives the illusion of full nourishment, but doesn't meet the body's need for healthy maintenance and full function. And what about chips? I love chips. You know, a lot of people get paid to improve the sounds, smells, colors, sizes, and shapes of chips so they'll be more appealing. Junk has practically no value. That's why it's junk. And you don't catch on to the dangers of junk food immediately, for the deterioration from this addiction is gradual, almost imperceptible. In the words of the scientist, Sir William Osler, we are all dietetic centers. Only a small percent of what we eat nourishes us. The balance, the balance goes to waste and loss of energy. Junk food is very prevalent in most grocery stores and especially in convenience stores. Just look at the number of aisles and shelves devoted to snacks, candy, ice cream, and soda. We love our junk food. Ice cream, for me, please. It satisfies our hungers. But the junk food phenomenon is not unfamiliar in the spiritual realm. For hungers are there, too, and a variety of merchants hawking their wares are in contemporary culture. Believe this. Follow this. Join this. Adopt this, practice this, and you will be fulfilled. You will be saved. You will be self-actualized. The labels change, but the pitch is a constant. What we offer will feed your hunger and help you grow. There's a wonderful cartoon where a man makes his way up a mountain to visit a guru. And when he reaches the top, he says, Great guru, I have made this perilous track." to ask you the meaning of life. And the guru responds, Hear me, O mortal. The meaning of life cannot be explained in a single trek, or two, or a hundred, yea, or even a thousand treks. Nor can it be explained to the one who taketh not a single step, though he seeketh with vigor those secrets which, and the man interrupts. In other words, you haven't got the foggiest idea either. And the guru replies, Hey man, it's a living. The man thought the guru had the answer, but all he received was junk food, no nourishment. And what about the story of Rosemary Russell? She was in her twenties living in Newport Beach. She was already more successful than many at the age of fifty. Smart, good looking, ambitious, pulling down an annual salary of $400,000 in an investment firm. She owned a beautiful home, drove a Mercedes, and had lots of toys. A meticulous, deliberate young woman. Rosemary Russell had a talent for figuring out the fine print escrow clauses, and it was paying off in big ways. She had it all, both youth and wealth. Something was missing for Rosemary for one night, she drove her Mercedes to a Laguna Beach hotel, checked in, and then checked out of life with an overdose of pills. She left behind a note that said why she was ending her life, for she said, "I'm tired of clapping with one hand." Something inside Rosemary Russell was hungry for she knew not what, and we, looking in on her life, might have said, "That's gourmet living." But spiritually, She was feeding herself junk food, and she starved to death. I'm convinced that many other people who seek psychological help are not suffering from some clinically definable neurosis, but from the meaninglessness of their lives, junk foods, and faith hungers. Our brother Paul was struggling with the same issue in the young church of the Asia Minor city of Colossae. For Paul had brought the gospel message of saving, redeeming work of Christ to this very church, and they were fed. And yet somehow teachers had entered their life who were pushing junk foods. And so Paul writes to the Colossians about a faith that feeds and suggests that such a faith must draw the believer from shadow to substance. Here verses 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or observe or observing festivals, new moons or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The issue is reality in the life of faith. Paul knew that his readers were well-versed in Greek philosophy. For the eminent Plato had stated that reality in this earthly sphere was a poor copy of life in the sphere of the ideal. Using that as a model, Paul suggests that when religious rituals, diet programs, festival observances, and weekly worship services are identified as the heart of the life of faith, then we have mistaken a shadow for the real thing. Hungering for the spiritual, we settle for junk food. Have you ever noticed that some parents are so enamored with their children and technology that at some events, they spend nearly the entire time taking videos? I often think to myself that they will need half their life just to watch the other half on video. Yet, more importantly, a video or photograph, for that matter, is a shadow while the substance is the child him or herself so too Paul says the substance which feeds your spiritual hunger is Christ himself and all rituals of faith have their value only as they point to him what we do here here is is never solely an end in itself rather worship is an event which points to what is substantial. The pointing event is never the substantial moment. My finger is not the light to which it points. So too with Christ. And then in verses 18 and 19, Paul goes on to have us understand that a faith which feeds our deepest hunger must draw us from the horizontal to the vertical dimension in life. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up with out-caused by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. We are at home on the horizontal level of things. But when life is solely defined by the horizontal, we are easily attracted by spiritual junk food. It's then that we lose contact with the head, says Paul, which is Christ. That's our tradition. Another tradition might point to a different symbol or person, but our tradition points to Christ. We can lose contact with the head and become enamored with some guru, some spiritual person, some spiritual discipline, and think we have it all together in that horizontal event. Listen to Pat Grunet, a public school teacher and Chapman College graduate. Pastor Jim has brought me to a deeper relationship with Christ. He is immeasurably Christ-like and principled in his commitment to serve people. He is usually the last to get his food, and the first to take care of a chore needing to be done. He seems to overflow with love for people and other living things. I saw him speak to a man, badly crippled, and the man got up and walked away without assistance. I've seen him cup little insects in his hand and tenderly carry them outdoors. Unless I had seen these things firsthand, I would have never believed life could be so hopeful. I came to this church last summer and now have the privilege of supervising an innovative cultural enrichment program for children. Such meaning my life has. Now, hold on to your seats. For back in November 1979, Pat Grunet drank the cyanide Kool-Aid offered by her pastor, Jim Jones, and became one of 900 Jonestown victims. That cult in which she felt connected to Christ in her first encounter, had so lost the sense of the vertical dimension in life that the horizontal ravings of a madman took on the illusion of spiritual nourishment for her. And then, about 20 years later, who could forget the Heaven's Gate community and how its 39 members were similarly found dead in San Diego? The name Heaven's Gate was only used in the last few years of the group's 20-plus year existence. Up until then, it was known as Human Individual Metamorphosis and Total Overcomers Anonymous. You see, these people were also led to believe it was vertical, but they all laid down side by side only to prove it was really horizontal. And what about us here? Some say, I belong to David Young's church. Or Michael Moorhead's church? Or I used to belong to Carl Johnson's church? They do? Whose church is it really? It is Christ's church, with us as your servants, for Jesus' sake. We all too easily lose sight of the vertical dimension, supposing that the real nourishment is found in the horizontal, and we're hooked on junk food. The basis of neurotic existence, writes the psychiatrist and Nazi concentrate, concentration camp survivor, Viktor Frankl, is a deficiency of the patient's relationship to transcendence. Faith which feeds your deepest hungers must draw you from, from shadow to substance, from the horizontal to the vertical dimension in life, and then from compulsion to Christ centeredness. Here again, Colossians two twenty to twenty three. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They are simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom and promoting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they are of no value in checking self-indulgence. The Greek philosophers had a love for dividing the universe into its constituent elements, and so religion, borrowing from from that paradigm, would often develop, develop elaborate schemes concerning how its constituent elements were arranged, and how a seeker might creatively relate to them, much like a diet-conscious person knows all the components of certain food groups. The danger in both instances was becoming so obsessed with these elements, these vitamins, they almost function like gods in a person's life with their do's and don'ts. This kind of approach, being applied to rituals, diet, or exercise, can easily fall into compulsion. Do this. Do that. Avoid this. Measure that. How many people do you know like that when it comes to their diet, exercise, or religious fervor? Thus it was that Paul reminded the young church in Colossae that in Christ, the believer had died to compulsive control by such elemental spirits. For by faith, compulsion gives way to Christ-centeredness. God in Christ is drawing this world, hence each of you, toward that reality of spirit which we have touched and experienced in Jesus Christ. The French priest and paleontologist Pierre Teilhard de Chardin pulls many of these threads together when he writes, I want to love Christ with all my strength in the very act of loving the universe. Can this be absurdity, blasphemy? Besides communion with God and communion with the earth, is there not also communion with God in and through the earth? I should like it to be so for myself and for others. Faith which feeds your deepest hungers, frees you from compulsive religiosity and draws you toward a Christ-centered vision of all reality. Junk foods and faith hungers. We live in a junk food age, both in the culinary and the religious realm. But a faith which will hold over the long haul, which feeds and nourishes, must draw you from shadow to substance. All these things are simply a shadow of the reality, which is Christ the substance. Such a faith will draw you from exclusive horizontal living to appropriate vertical awareness, looking to the head which, through which all things come to full growth. And such a faith will draw you from compulsion to Christ centeredness. Why are you still bound to the elemental spirits of this world? And that's why in our gospel lesson, which is the familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples find they are in a lonely place with little hope for provisions for such a crowd. And Jesus says to them, you feed them, and they are stupefied. Why, why, there's nothing to feed them with, they reply in total oblivion to the fact that in a junk food world, they're with them was the one who feeds and nourishes our faith hungers, who we indeed know as the bread of life. But if you're hooked on junk food, what then? The novelist, Roman Catholic, Southerner and sufferer with an incurable disease, Flannery O'Connor, wrote to her friend Louise Abbott, what people don't realize is how much religion costs. They think faith is a big electric blanket, when, of course, it is the cross. It is much harder to believe than not to believe. If you feel you can't believe, you must at least do this. Keep an open mind. Keep it open toward faith. Keep wanting it. Keep asking for it. And leave the rest to God. So praise be to God. The God in Jesus Christ who nourishes our lives for the journey. Amen.